This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Studies have shown that foreign companies tend to move into areas where immigrants from their home country live, and they've also suggested that that could boost performance. But new research from Wharton management professor Zeke Hernandez looks closely at why and under what circumstances that would happen. His paper is titled Immigrants and Foreign Firm Performance, and he's here to speak with us about it today. Zeke, thanks for joining us. Thank you. When foreign firms establish businesses in places where immigrants from their home countries reside, how do these firms tend to benefit from that? Yeah, so I think that uh, in the introduction you mentioned that there's uh, been previous uh, studies that have uh, shown that foreign firms are attracted to places uh, where immigrants live. Uh, So what studies have suggested is that there's basically three classes of benefits or reasons that would attract a firm uh, uh, to where their their immigrants immigrants from their home countries live. Excuse me. So uh, the first one would be what I'll call demand. Right. That is, there's a new market there. Right. You sell a product that the immigrants like. Right. I'm a Mexican firm. I sell tacos. Right. Here's a new market for tacos. Um, but it's not just that you get uh, a bigger demand among the immigrant population, but that natives themselves would then, uh, natives of the receiving country, of course, would also want to start eating tacos, for example, right? So you just get a a, a bigger market. Uh, The other is more on the supply side. So meaning uh, you can go there and get benefits that help you operate more efficiently or at lower cost. So for example, if I'm a firm Uh, from China and I move into Russia, I might be able to hire Chinese workers and use them more effectively or more efficiently. Uh, It could also be that the immigrant community helps me find suppliers. So so anything kind of on the supply side of the business. And then the third kind of mechanism is what we typically call knowledge in the literature, right? That I can get knowledge or information about, hey, there is an opportunity to invest in a certain foreign market, right? And the immigrant community helps me learn about that opportunity for the first time. Or uh, I decided to invest in a country like the United States, but I don't really know how the United States works very well, so the immigrant community can help me get information about how to do business there. So so kind of demand, supply, and knowledge would be the three categories of benefits that researchers have speculated uh, are, are beneficial and, and why we see this pattern of firms moving into places where immigrants live. What was the main question you set out to, to answer with this research? Yeah, uh, before I answer that, I just want to Uh, acknowledge my co-author on this paper, Elena Colchina. She's a professor at NC State University and, of course, has been instrumental in the research. Um, Okay, now let me answer your question. Um, So, uh, again, to go back to the background, uh, what previous papers had shown, including uh, some some of uh, our own work previously, uh, was that uh, firms locate in the same places where immigrants of the same nationality live, But the research had been a little bit unclear as to, does this really affect performance? So, for example, you could imagine that um, a firm from Korea likes to be where Koreans are, but that's actually a bad business decision, right? Um, And so studies hadn't really shown if setting up a business where these co-national immigrants live affects profits. So that was the broad question we wanted to ask. Does it affect profits? In your study, you look at the performance of firms owned by individual foreigners and those that are subsidiaries of multinational firms. Uh, Does one type have an advantage over the other when it comes to setting up a business in an immigrant community? Uh, 
Yeah, that's a great question and a really important one to understand what we're doing in this study because, uh, you know, I answered your previous question by saying that the kind of broad, broad question we're trying to answer is does it affect performance? But as we kind of dug into what's really going on here, we realized that there's really two types of foreign firms, right? There's, uh, like you mentioned, subsidiaries of multinational firms, and then there's foreign firms that are kind of started by foreign individuals. Let's just call them foreign startups or foreign entrepreneurial firms, right? Um, and what we suspected is that um, perhaps that the benefits of being close to these co-national immigrants differs if you're one of these two types of firms, right? So just to kind of set up in your mind uh, some, something that we can all relate to. So think of uh, a restaurant like Shake Shack, right? Moving abroad, right? We A lot of us know Shake Shack. We like to eat there, right? Versus if you're, uh, say, a U.S. entrepreneur starting a hamburger restaurant uh, abroad in a foreign country, okay? So that's a pretty different position to be in, right, in a foreign market, Okay. Now let me tell you what we found, and then I'll go back to these two firms. So, so what we found is that on average, both types of firms actually profit from uh, co-national immigrants. So, so the more immigrants of the same nationality there are in the foreign location, the higher the profits of both types of firms. Okay. But the mechanism or the means by which they get those profits is a little bit different. So if I'm a foreign startup, uh, I'm, a, I'm an individual, I own my kind of hamburger restaurant, right? Um, I, what we found is that that type of firm will profit from the immigrant community, but only if the firm is managed by an immigrant CEO. That is a CEO that's of the same nationality as the target immigrant community. So let's say in this case, it's the expat U.S. community in the U.S. or something like that. If the firm had a local CEO, it did not get that benefit. Okay. Now, if I'm Shake Shack, okay, I'm the subsidiary of a big multinational, right? Well, so then I benefit from the immigrant community regardless of the nationality of the CEO, whether the CEO was an immigrant or a, a local, a native, okay? Now, why would that happen? Well, I think the Shake Shack versus hamburger startup example is useful, right? If I'm Shake Shack, what do I have? I have a reputation among the immigrant community abroad, right? I have a brand. Uh, people might have already eaten in my restaurant, right? So I show up. In the eyes of the immigrant community, they can relate to me through, through these mechanisms, these, these brands, reputation, marketing channels that I already have established as a multinational firm. In contrast, if I'm the entrepreneur who's starting the new hamburger restaurant, right, I don't have all of those resources, all of that organizational reputation and history. So what do I need to do to connect to the immigrant community? I need to develop a personal connection to them. And that's why it's so important for a foreign startup to have an immigrant CEO to benefit from the immigrant community, but it doesn't seem to be that important uh, for the subsidiary of a multinational firm. Why did you choose Russia as the context for this study? Yeah, so uh, the, the data came from uh, foreign firms. Uh, this was thousands of, of foreign firms operating in Russia. And um, really, uh, again, it wasn't because Russia... Uh, was like something we set out to think, oh, this is, this is just kind of cool or interesting. And it actually, Russia was convenient for two very important empirical reasons. So one is that um, because of Russian law, um, local, local businesses have to report financial statements at the, at the subsidiary level, right? At the level of the local establishment. Uh, why, why does that matter, right? Besides, uh, you know, perhaps nerdy empirical reasons is that we were able to observe profitability at the level of the local business, 
right? Uh, and that's not available in all countries. Uh, but there's a second reason uh, that's very important to the research design. If you think of trying to establish a relationship between immigrants and the performance of firms that are of the same nationality of those immigrants, uh, that could be just a spurious correlation, right? It could be that for example, uh, both immigrants and firms choose places that have a good economy. In fact, it's very likely that they both do, right? Because there's jobs for the immigrants and there's a good market for the firm trying to set up a business there. So it's very hard to know, um, you know which one causes which, right? Is it the immigrants that cause profits or is it just, you know, there's other spurious relationship like the one I just mentioned. So Russia offered us a historically convenient uh, situation where ideally if we were trying to run an experiment we would do the following we would have firms uh, of a certain nationality in a certain place and then we would kind of randomly assign immigrants uh, from the same nationality to either show up or not show up in that place and then we could see the performance uh, of those firms well it turns out that Russia kind of offered a setting like that uh, in the lead-up to two big events so so Sochi the Sochi Olympics 2014 and the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Conference, which is a big event in 2012, Russia had to uh, build a lot of infrastructure in two places, in Vladivostok, which is um, uh, on the eastern side of Russia, and then in Sochi, which is on the western side. So two very different provinces. And because uh, Russian construction labor couldn't keep up with the demands, uh, Russia lifted the quota on foreign construction workers in those two places. And so all of a sudden, in those two places, we had firms uh, of certain nationalities who saw this huge influx of construction workers from their home countries. And so there were um, 10 countries that received a very large and sudden influx of construction workers. Those countries tended to be places like Turkey and China and countries that were nearby Russia. But then there were other foreign firms that didn't see immigrants from their home countries come in. So wh what does all of that do is it allows us to have something of a natural experiment where we can compare the performance of firms that unexpectedly saw an increase of immigrants from their home countries coming into where they were and firms that did not. Okay, and so then we can set up that comparison and have some claims at causality. So that's why we chose Russia. And to go back to the results then, what we can observe is that the performance of these firms that unexpectedly received an influx of co-national immigrants performed significantly better than the firms that didn't. And so Russia uh, was convenient for that reason. Can you explain the concept of social embeddedness and how that plays out? Yeah, so social embeddedness is uh, a concept uh, that, uh, unsurprisingly by the name, comes from the field of sociology. And what sociologists really for, really for a long time now have shown, so this is not a concept that we invented or anything, it's a concept that we rely on to explain what's going on here in our study. It's just the idea that uh, economic transactions aren't driven purely by sort of cold, hard economic calculus, although, of course, they are partially driven by that but they're often kind of embedded or surrounded by social considerations, okay? So, um, you know, if you're, if you're my friend, right, uh, I might, you know, give you a good deal, right, or I might help you out a little bit, right? So, that, so that's an example of social embeddedness. So this concept of social embeddedness has been applied to the way immigrant communities do business with each other, uh, right, is that being of the same nationality creates these bonds, right? This, this, this common nationality bond um, creates 
a situation in which economic transactions are kind of smoothed a little bit because of certain mechanisms. And what this literature shows is there's, there's two mechanisms in particular that are very unique to immigrant communities. So if you think of the typical um, immigrant enclave that, that you might have seen, right, the, the Koreans in L.A., right, or, or Chinatowns or uh, just immigrants doing business with each other, there's one mechanism called bounded solidarity. It's just the fact that, hey, we're in this together, right? Uh, we're, we're foreigners. We, we're outsiders in this, in, this, uh, in this receiving country. Let's help each other out, right? Let's, uh, let's do each other some favors, right? And, and uh, perhaps uh, prefer to transact with each other. So if I have to do my dry cleaning, I'll do it with you and not with somebody else, okay? It's just kind of a preference for doing business and helping each other out. And the other one is what's called enforceable trust. The idea that, hey, we um, don't want to act badly with each other in economic transactions because I know your cousin, right? We go to the same, say, ethnic church or something like that, right? And so uh, this kind of, and, it, and it's not kind of a mafia thing. It's just like, hey, let's play nice with each other in business because we interact in these other settings. We have this commonality of being of the same ethnicity or nationality. So this is a concept that we use in the paper to explain why is it that um, a community of immigrants would sort of be beneficial for a firm of the same nationality. It's for these two reasons, right? There's, there's a commonality. Hey, we're both American or we're both Korean, we're both Chinese, right? Let's go give the benefit of the doubt to this, to this business, right? If I work for you, right, and we're of the same nationality, uh, I'm going to behave well towards you because we might, like I said, go to church together. Our kids might go to the same school. And so these are reasons why uh, one could explain the benefits of doing business within the immigrant community, especially when you're a foreign firm in a, ho in a foreign, sometimes hostile location. What are some of the key takeaways of your research for both uh, multinational companies and independent companies that are looking to establish a presence in immigrant communities? Yeah, I think the advice is, uh, comes very directly from the results, right? Uh, one is that uh, you are likely to benefit from picking a place that has a high number of co-national immigrants, okay? All else equal. Of course, you have to take into account the economics and the other things. But, but say two places are relatively comparable, you know, give the nod to the place that has an immigrant community because you'll get these benefits that I've been talking about. But understand the type of firm you are. Understand that if you don't have a pre-existing reputation, brand, marketing channels, right? If you're not part of a multinational firm, right, of a parent firm, um, you're going to need to appoint an immigrant manager to relate to the immigrant community, uh, whereas you don't necessarily have to do that if you're, if you're the subsidiary of a multinational firm. On the whole, what does your study indicate about the economic value of immigrants? Well, this study is one in a series of papers on related topics that I've done. So anybody who's heard a previous uh, Knowledge at Wharton podcast on some of my other work might have heard something similar. But the broader implication here is that immigration plays a very important role in attracting foreign capital and the diffusion and attraction and movement of foreign capital around the world. Uh, and in this particular paper, what we're adding is that immigration doesn't just help uh, explain where capital is moving across the world, but that that capital is going to be used more productively by the firms that are making those capital investments. And so immigration, in that sense, is a lead leading indicator, excuse me, of where capital is going to flow and where it's most likely to be productive. So a country or a jurisdiction that wants to receive uh, foreign investment, but also perhaps 
wants to make sure that that investment is more likely to be successful, grow, create jobs, right? Uh, as firms are profitable, that happens. Uh, then uh, immigration is a very powerful attractor, right, of firms, but it seems to also help those firms be more profitable. And what question would you explore next in this area? Well, I think the thing that really stood out to us from this study is just the importance of individuals, of the managers in particular, in helping firms connect with these immigrant communities and helping firms benefit from these immigrant communities. So I think that uh, something we're uh, actively studying in a follow-on paper is how multinational firms allocate managers depending on the sizes of immigrant populations in foreign countries. So, uh, so for example, let's say I'm uh, let's go, let's use Korean multinationals as an example, right? The Korean diaspora is sort of spread out across many parts of the world. Uh, if I'm say Samsung, right, am I more likely to appoint? a Korean manager in places where there's lots of Koreans versus fewer Koreans. It's not obvious in which direction that's going to go, but it, uh, this study has suggested that it's important to understand why something like that might happen. Okay, well, thanks so much for joining us, Zeke. Thank you. It was great to be here. And if you like what you heard, uh, you can hear more podcasts just like this one on your favorite podcast player. And if you want to learn more about research by Zeke Hernandez, you can visit us at knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thanks for listening. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.